The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. Welcome to another edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. It's your boy Brown here for another week of talking, well, trying to talk sports as much as much as we can. Let me bring in my co-host, my partner in crime, my man Mike Jones. Mike, what's going on with you, brother? Oh, man, I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to get back to talking actual sports rather than hypotheticals. But I, I know, no, right? We'll do what we can. It, it's been... It's now going into what two months now, with two whole months without sports. Did you ever think you would see the day where you would go this long without talking sports, without actually having real sports, like games actually being played? I I don't think this was something that anyone could have seen coming. I mean, granted, on some level, you knew the world is always been susceptible to viruses, pandemics, and such at some level, but none of us are ever really expecting it to happen, to see it come to fruition in our lifetime. So this is a complete shock and completely unprecedented for everyone. Yeah. Like, absolutely everyone. I I hear you. Now, where, where do you stand with the debate a lot of people are having as to you know, when sports should come back. I know a lot of, you know, we're all as sports fans, as, as, as fans of sport, you know, we all miss it. We all wish it would come back, but I think a lot of people have different ideas as to when it can come back. Some people feel like, Hey, let me, you know, let's, let's, let's figure this out. Let's make sure this thing is completely under control. And if we have to do without sports for the time being, so be it. If that means handling it the best way possible. And then other people are like, look, man, it's, it's, it's been a couple of months. I need some sports. You know, give me something. Like, where do you stand with that? Well, for me, it it's a difficult conversation to have Mm -hmm. because there are two viable arguments and there is no you're you're in a bad situation there is no good way to deal with it Mm -hmm. because if you continue on the path of the shutdown for example you're already looking at a at a situation where coming out of this college sports, for example, may never be the same. Mm-hmm. Like, like the university of California's has already decided that for the upcoming school year that starts in the fall, all classes will be virtual. There'll be no, cl- no students on campus. So if colleges are saying it's not safe to have students on campus, how will they then be able to deal with a liability issue that they that may occur if they try to have athletes on campus or traveling to games? Uh-huh. That a in a position where they can a in a position where they can't truly resume until there is a vaccine, essentially, and 
during that time, there are a lot of schools, smaller programs, smaller conferences that are breaking even, just getting by. You tell them they're shut down for a couple of years and aren't able to generate the revenue that they're used to generating. These teams, these programs may cease to exist. The NCAA, as we know it, is likely to cease to exist, in my opinion. And you'll see major programs, major schools being able to rebound because they have more donors, deeper coffers. But I don't think when it returns, it will look anything like what we know it to look like right now. So with the pro sports, you assume because of the billionaires, owners, and backing, and them being more willing to accept risk and dealing with grown men, professionals who are able to sign waivers and accept risk rather than students, you're more likely to see pro sports return at some point. But I'll be honest, me personally, I'm not excited about the prospect of games without fans. When you say you're not excited about it, are you saying you're not, you don't think that you would be excited to look at a game with no fans? It would, to for me, watching a game with no fans would kind of feel like going to a practice gym and watching a team work out mm. or, you know, watching a scrimmage in the preseason without the one thing that is undeniable when you get to regular season games and then playoff games, the intensity picks up. But a lot of that extra energy, players are able to, I don't want to say draw that, but they almost kind of feed off the energy yeah, of the crowd. Definitely. Like, like Especially sports like football, basketball. Mm-hmm. So you remember when that. do you remember when when the when NBA TV really first started broadcasting summer league games mm-hmm. like when and like, those gyms were kind of were largely yeah, empty were like like when not you know it, it isn't like it is now where summer league games are played in Las Vegas in a in a, when they're, they were playing they're in, the event of the summer now. Yeah. like they weren't being played in arenas like the Orlando Summer League, that was played in the Magic's practice facility. So, like when NBA TV first started showing those games, you're literally watching two teams play in a gym. And the only mm-hmm. people in that gym were basically, you know, maybe the players, a, the refs, the coaches. Yeah. And a couple a couple media members. Mm-hmm. So, and do you remember what those games felt like? Yeah, they, they, like they didn't the feel like NBA. It it felt the way, just the way you described it. It felt like you were watching a practice. It didn't feel like a game. It was something like to me. I feel like what what is going to happen is there. There's you you see now, especially the way sports programming is presented. 
you know, there's programming that's for the everyday fan. And then there's programming that's for the hardcore, like the, the diehard fan. Mm-hmm. You know, like once NFL Network got off the ground, NBA TV, NHL TV, you know, the Major League Baseball channel. Like there are things on those channels that you're like if you're a, if you're the casual fan, you might watch. Then there are other things that. Unless you're like a diehard fan, like the casual fans not watching the scouting camp, scouting combine. Okay, I'll go. I'll go a step beyond that. Mm-hmm. I believe it was TNT or TBS that occasionally would switch their broadcasting team. Mm-hmm. There's still fans in the building for the NBA game, but they would. Sh- simply shift the broadcasting team to rather having, instead of having the typical broadcast journalism major who's been trained to bring appeal to the masses, you would have what they called players only, where it was mm-hmm. four or five former players who were really giving you X's and O's in the hardcore basketball perspective. Yeah. It was, that product was good for real basketball heads. Mm-hmm. But for the casual fan, they hated it. They're probably better with Kevin Harlan and Craig Sager. Yeah, you 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 give the casual basketball fan Kevin Harlan, Craig Sager, and maybe Marfitello and 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 you know random player X. Mm-hmm. They're in. They're in. But you give them a broadcast team of Brent Barry, uh, Greg uh, Greg Anthony. Chris Weber and Reggie Isaiah Miller, Thomas. Isaiah, yeah, and Reggie but, Miller, yeah, and they're like, "What is this crap?" Mm-hmm. But you're and, getting real hardcore basketball. Yeah, you. Mm-hmm. So it's like depending on so, you know, you and I are both on Twitter, mm-hmm. and you know we we follow a lot of the same people, so we see you know we see where the trends are, and you know in who you follow. Even if they're, you know, whether they're sports people, whether they're entertainment people, whether they're political people, you know, you you tend to know where they where their opinions will lie. Yeah, that is gen- that is a generally safe thing position to take. You you kind of know where people's leanings mm-hmm. will be. So it's like you kind. So when it came down to players only, when it went, especially as it grew, because it was something that. NBA TV had done for a couple of years and then they started doing it more on TNT and TBS with their games. And there were people, you know, like the basketball people, the hardcore basketball people, the X's and O's people, they didn't mind players only at all. I liked it. But, you know, the casual I fan... I also see where, where it doesn't have the same appeal for the casual fan at all. Um, yep. It's like a, it's like NFL playbook, or uh, or uh, what's oh, goodness, the show. Uh, I'm not even sure because it comes on like first thing Sunday mornings. Uh, you remember the NFL Edge program used to have a uh, Sal Palantonio, Merrill Hodge, and 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 mm-hmm. Jaws it used to come on like exactly. like like first thing Sunday morning. It would like five thirty a.m. 
But that show is for the hardcore fan. That's people looking at the all twenty. You know, the 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 casual football fan does not care about the all twenty two tape. Mm. They don't want to go through the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Not at least not too in depth. You know, it, it, and yeah, they're in it strictly for the entertainment, not for the educational lesson. Like, not just for sport. You know, it, as difficult as this might sound, you know, take the sporting aspect out of it. When people talk about going to games. What do they talk about? Why why do people go to games? They go to they go to games for the experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like you hear so many people will say, you know, like they'll talk about baseball. And they'll say, Hey, you know what? I love to go how many people do you know say, I love to go to baseball games, but I hate to watch baseball on TV? Uh, quite a few. Yeah. And it's like to to me that's that's the whole thing about if these sports, if these professional sports are going to go without audiences, they have to know that they are going to lose the casual fan. Okay. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Let's go through it sport by sport. Okay. Could you watch a baseball game without fans? Could I watch a baseball game without fans? Yes. Okay. I I mean, could you watch the bat? Could you watch a basketball game without fans? Yes, I I I could watch sports without fans. Okay. I could. All right. Well, I, let me rephrase this. How much do you think a baseball game without fans would be a different experience for you? I think it would be. I think it would be very different. But I think honestly. To, to me, you have to play up what makes it different. Like, it, you have, like, don't try to recreate or even redefine the fan experience for people watching at home. Because I feel like that's going to come off as disingenuous. That's going to come off as fake. That's going to drive people away. I think if you're going to show a base, I feel like if you're going to show a baseball game without fans, you have to play up the X's and O's aspects of baseball. Talk about a pitch count. Explain the shift. Talk about why, you know, what a, a pitcher's placement. How do you pitch to a certain, you know, how do you pitch to a certain batter? Why, you know, why do you, you know, why do you play this batter this way? Why are you using a right hand? Why are you using a right hand pitcher, you know, with the right handed batter or a right handed pitcher with the left handed batter? At what point do you. you I will will say this. mm -hmm. Because I'm listening to you and I hear you. And my first thought is, if you go that hardcore into X's and O's of the game, you will definitely lose casual fans. Yeah, I I, I know that too. I I, I understand. So, so my 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 follow up question for you then is, as someone who worked in television production, how do you think 
the product is changed for the viewing product. For example, like with the pace of a baseball game, between pitches, between mounds, but you'd often see shots of the crowd, shots of things going on like that. What do you do then now with a TV broadcast? I th- when I don't have the shot of the crowd to cut to during a mail visit, or I think I think they're going. While I'm waiting for a pitching change, I think they're going to cheapen the game. And when I say cheapen the game, I think they're going to go with gimmicks. When you go to the mound for the mound visits, when you know there's a timeout, when a pitcher is stalling, that's when you're going to see ten thousand tweets or social media posts. Hey, this is what this person said. This person on Twitter feels like the pitcher should do X, Y, and Z. Try to make it as though the fans are still engaged. Yes. They're, gonna, they're, they're still going to try. And I feel like that is, that's a well you can go to too often. After It's like after a while, I don't care what this guy on Twitter says about what you know what the person should do you know i tune in to watch experts who are paid a lot of money to analyze games i can tell you what i would do on twitter for free you know i don't want some i don't want somebody with as much pro experience as me telling me what should happen here you know, it's like, look, if if I tune into if I tune into NBC Sports Philadelphia, I want to know what Ricky Batalico is thinking. I want to know what what, what what Tommy Green is thinking. I want to know what Ben Davis is thinking. I don't want to know who you know, cool guy one two six seven nine thinks. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. but because I feel like that's that's what's going to be how they, you know, how they supplement the time. And truth be told, that almost the low hanging fruit, so to speak, like the easy way to make fans feel as though they're still part of the experience. Yeah. Which in an entertainment business, you do want your fans to still feel as though they are engaged. No, I I understand. I, I understand, but I feel like it's something that will get old very quickly. I think it's like you know it, there there are things that they try that like I'll, I'll put it to you like this way: the first game I watch the first pro baseball game I watched on Facebook Live was cool. Second one, not as cool. Third one, I was over it. It's like, put the game back on ESPN and call it a day. What was so different for you about the broadcast? It just got, it was like, it was, it's novelty. It was, you know, it, it was the novelty of it. Same with football. First game on Yahoo Live, it's like, all right, yeah, this is cool. Second time, it's like, all right, I, I don't want to watch this game on my laptop. I don't want to watch this game on my phone if I have a TV right here in front of me. True. But there are often times where you may not have that. Yeah, you know, like, you know it, it's I, like, I can watch the Yahoo game on my phone from the Yahoo Fantasy Football app, wherever I might happen to be. Mm-hmm. 
So for things like that, there are some benefits. I won't completely poo-poo it. Yeah, but I, I feel like I would rather have I, I would rather have the option. Like, okay, this Yahoo game is on. You know, if I'm if I'm not home, you know, it, it, there have been times where I have worked at a job during you know a. Uh, uh, during football hours, not my current job, because I wouldn't do that because I like my job. But there have been times in the past, in previous jobs, where you know what, a game on Yahoo has been clutch. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying completely do away with them. However, if I'm not at a job and I'm at that home. Yeah, so I'm that not, wouldn't be your first choice. I'm not, not trying. Yeah. I'm not trying to get my. Chi- I'm not trying to get my chips, get my adult beverage, sit down on my couch, and whip out my phone. You know, I, I don't want to do that. But none. But but nonetheless, it's like they have. I feel like with with sports and. and you know, we've seen it a little bit. We've we've seen some experiments with it. You know, uh, UFC just had had an event with no fans. Uh, the WWE has been has been and, and the UFC. And let's stop there for a mm-hmm. second because, as you mentioned, the UFC, the fact that there were no fans in the building actually affected the the outcome of at least one of the fights. Mm-hmm. One of the fighters was taking heavy damage to his legs from kick, from being kicked in the leg repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And after the fight, in the post-fight interview, the fighter who won commented that he could hear the broadcaster commenting about what he needed to do to counter mm-hmm. from being kicked in the leg, and he started doing it and won the fight. Mm-hmm. Things like that, which may never even go into consideration, now are not only apparent, but can actually affect the outcome of a game. Yeah. I mean, it it, 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 it makes for an interesting dynamic. And because uh, this... because Imagine this, being in an empty gym, and I hear the broadcast team talking about the scouting report and the coaches note they got pregame from the opposing coach. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what happened during the UFC fight Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Guy heard the commentator talking about strategy and implemented it mid-fight. No, I mean, it, 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 it makes it makes for an interesting dynamic. It definitely makes for an interesting dynamic, and because. This has all been thrusted upon us at once. Like there was, there was, there has. This is unprecedented. Yeah, there, there was no time to prep for this. So, it. I think it's almost like how we produce television. How we produce television sports now becomes a game within the game. Like. The next time UFC decides to put on an event, will you have the commentators that close to the ring? Mm-hmm. 
you know, or or do they say, you know what, that's part of, that's now part of the game. That's now part of, you know, that's now the human element of the sport. The fact that now that there are no fans to drown out the room noise, you're going to be able to hear everything in the ring. You're going to be able to hear everything in the room, everything around the octagon or the ring, you know, whatever. Like, you know, we're talking, you know, we're talking UFC, we're talking MMA. What happened, you know, when they try, eventually they're, they're going to try boxing. You know, if, if people are seeing the UFC be able to generate money and generate interest in events with no fans, other sports are going to follow suit, especially single athlete suits, you know, single athlete sports. Oh, the UFC had 700,000 pay-per-view brides this mm-hmm. weekend. That's a lot of people, a lot of eyes, and a lot of money. At what? So, to me, it's like, if this is working for UFC, at what point does golf follow suit? At what sport? You know, or tennis. I'm thinking golf or tennis has to be next because those are probably the most easiest sports to play and social distance. Exactly. There's a natural distancing. You can play golf and not have to go near anybody. You know, the same is true with tennis. Carry your own, carry your own bags or have, you know, had a little cart. With the not 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 the not the golf cart, but the uh, the little cart that carries your bags, and have a four caddy who goes down, who's down, uh, who's down uh, f- further down on the hole to spot your ball. Mm-hmm. Carry your own, you know, golfers now have to carry their own bags. Do it like a, you know, do it like common folks do. You know what I mean? I think there'd be that one might actually be pretty cool. Would you watch it? You know, people watching a golf tournament, watching Tiger Woods carry his own bag for the first time in twenty-something years. Bet you Tiger Woods probably couldn't even remember the last time he carried his own bag on a golf course. Yeah, but the first time Tiger is able to finish a round where he's carrying his own bag because his back hurt, mm-hmm. and then the ratings drop fifty percent the next day. <laughs> that is that is true. That that's true too. That is true too, but I feel like, you know, it's like that's as we as a country are trying to figure out how to get back on track, what to do to get back on track. You know, you, that, you are absolutely right, which is why I said from, at the start of this conversation, yeah. it's not one where you see a, any kind of good situation, mm-hmm. bad versus bad. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's been interesting. Have you watched any of that Korean baseball? Everyone was talking no. about it, because it's I, like I haven't you haven't watched any of it. Me neither. I, 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 I'm with you. I haven't watched any of it yet, and I feel like now, like the novelty of that has worn off. Like people were talking about it about you know a week or two, three, maybe three weeks ago, but now nobody's talking about it anymore. Like it was cool for what it was. People were starving for sports, but now you're like, uh. Mm. I need, you know, I, I need and baseball that, and at a, at a real hour. times of their game. I think that was probably the biggest thing for me was that the, the 
KBO's games often were at irregular times, yeah. early morning, late night, because of the time difference. Uh, I was I not going to go out of my way and adjust my sleep schedule to watch a baseball game that's not, whether or not it's the best thing on the market, I still know in my mind those aren't the best players in the street. Mm. You know? Yep. So, and mm-hmm. for for me, that will always be an issue. It's issue as well. If I know you're not giving me the best product, I, as a fan, I will feel slighted. Agree. Agree. So we've we've now seen UFC. We've seen WWE. They're now you know. What do you in in your heart? I'm just asking you to guess. No true wrong. There's no true wrong answer. What do you, where do you think, who do you think is the next sport to start putting on events? I think next, I, the NBA seems to be on a path where they almost are determined to resume at least their playoffs no matter what. So, Assuming they can work out the logistics, the NBA seems to be met. But I think the next full season to start at this point is likely the NFL mm-hmm. because that juggernaut does not want to stop for anything. Agreed. Agreed. I think the next sport will be uh, – I, I, I think it will be you know, a, a player sport, like a, like a single-player sport. Not a team sport. Okay, I could well, see. I could see. I a go- definitely see that. I was thinking from team sports with okay. my answers, but I would definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, I, I, I individual th- sports will be that. I think we'll see golf or tennis, or you know something along that lines mm-hmm. first. Oh, I, I, but I absolutely agree with that. But I also agree with you. I think the next full season. I, th- I think the next full team season to start will be will be. Uh, will be football. Like, honestly, as much as I would like to see the return of basketball and the return of hockey, I feel like, I I personally don't feel like just canceling the season would be that bad of an idea. Like, at this point now, how many, you know, now that we're, you know, we're it's years later, but still, how many, like, how many people feel there wasn't a, well, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. There wasn't a World Series champion in 1994. That was the year of the strike. The strike shortened the season. There was no World Series champion. You know, they didn't try to, they didn't try to restart the season. They didn't, you know, it was just like, hey, man, it's a wrap. Let's start over the next year. And maybe part of that part of the problem was that one of the best teams in baseball was the Montreal Expos, and that team's no longer there. You know, they're they're the Nationals now. Mm-hmm. But I feel like even now, like you look at basketball. Best, I, I think uh, the Lakers had the best record in the NBA when the season ended. Uh, Milwaukee, I believe it was, but the Lakers were surging. Okay. 
in fact, you know, that's, that's, that's something you could almost... It was one of the two of those mm-hmm. teams, though. They, like, Milwaukee was tops in the East, Lakers were tops in the West. It's like, if you're a Lakers fan, not not winning, not going, having, not having a playoffs and not have you know, winning or winning a championship, it sucks. But you're confident that your team can get back. And I think to a lesser extent, if you're, if you're a Milwaukee Buck fan, you feel the same way. That, that's about right. Okay. But All right. Real quick. Real quick. The uh, the Bucks had the best record. They had fifty three wins when the season that when mm-hmm. the season uh paused. We walk. Bucks had fifty three wins. Lakers had forty nine wins. Raptors had forty six. So if you're you know if you're a Bucks fan, yeah you know season ending sucks, but you have a pretty you know. You you have a pretty good feeling that the Bucks will be back next year. Same with the Lakers. You might feel it's like maybe you would feel cheated if you're a Toronto Raptors fan, but you also just won a championship. You know you're you're sitting there saying, "Hey, for two, we're now still for two seasons the defending champions." You start next, you know, you, you end the season, you start the twenty, you know. Tw- 2020-2021 season as defending champions again. If you're the Clippers, you're like, hey, you know, you're feeling good. So to me, I'm just like, you know, as much as it would suck, and it would absolutely suck to end basketball right now, I wouldn't mind. I'd get over it. I'd be and okay. I think we all would at some point. But, for example, with the NBA, they have other considerations yeah. to keep in mind as well. For example, they have a new CBA yeah. coming up in a year. And if they lose the revenue from this season, how will that affect salaries and negotiations coming in the upcoming CBA? Because, you know, all, those, all of that is always predicated if the owners are like, well, we lost money. Mm-hmm. That could affect players' salaries down the road as well. Mm-hmm. So, players have extra incentive. I just want to win this championship this year to consider as well when making a decision to play or not to play. It is definitely, of course, a situation where people's health and well-being should be kept first. But there are a lot of other considerations to keep in mind as well. And if people who depend on these leagues as well as many other leagues for income, not necessarily the millionaire players, but the thousands, Are now without work. Yeah. No, I mean there are a lot of factors to play. It's, like I, I acknowledge that it's easy for me to sit here and say, "Hey, you know what? Basketball should just be a wrap." While I'm sitting in my basement with no money invested at all, 
you know, it's easy for me to say this from where I'm standing. I understand that there are people with, you know, there are livelihoods involved. There, you know, there are people, there are people with more skin in this game than me. Yeah, there, there, there are way other factors than me. So, you know, it like for, for me personally as a fan, I'm like I, I'd get over it. I'm good. You know, I'm, I'll be all right. But, you know, for other people, it, it, it's not that easy. Is is definitely not that easy. So you know we'll we'll we will keep an eye on this, and you know we'll always con- we'll continue to talk about this because this is not. We all know it's like two months later. This ain't going away anytime soon. But look, let's take a real quick break because I know it's been we. There's been about four more episodes of M- MJ, the last dance since we've last had a conversation. And I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit more. And it was something I wanted to hit you with about that. So let's take a real quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk Jordan, the last dance right here on offense, defense, and discourse. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. James Lewis. I've never lived in a city like Phoenix where the downtown is not the center of the city. The, what's popping is out in Scottsdale. That's where everything's popping. That's where all the five-star restaurants are in Scottsdale. The best clubs and towns are in Scottsdale. The best mm. spas are in Scottsdale. If anything, they need to build the arena in Scottsdale and move everything from downtown out to Scottsdale. Yeah, they build in the then White Castle. Then you have an elite in franchise. Scottsdale. Next to them, next to them, carved houses in Camelback Mountain. That's where everything is popping to me from what I've White seen Castles in my two years. It's coming uh, to yeah. Scottsdale. I will be there. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Next to, in the, Scottsdale. Next to the spot is like eight hundred dollars. It hour. don't matter. It <laughs> don't matter. I'm up, I'm up in that right. piece. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Today, Today we, we decided decide to, to walk, walk to school. The light counted. Fifteen. 41, 31, I mean 13. We took a left on Carroll Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. I realized he forgot his homework. I hope he doesn't have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. Offense, defense, and discourse continues right here on Lance J Radio. My name is John Brown. His name is Mike Jones. Mike Jones, one of the biggest Michael Jordan fans ever in the world, in eternity. You are, you are an MJ fan. That is accurate. So we are now at this point, at the time of, of us recording this podcast, we are now at episode, we have now watched episode eight. Eight episodes in, how entertained are you by Jordan the Last Dance? Uh, I'm loving every minute of it. It is, to me, and 
a much needed escape mm-hmm. first and foremost from the 24 hour a day nonstop reminders we have of things that are going on. But beyond that, it's also a reminder to many and an introduction to others of what real good basketball can look like when played at the highest level. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, what about LeBron? What about Kobe? (laughs) Great player. Absolutely great player. Michael Jordan's singular focus and dedication to winning, and not just to winning, but to clearly being the best shown through in everything he did on the court. Mm -hmm. He was never comfortable with uh, he might be the best or there's a best debate. If there was a debate, he was going to make sure he ended that debate. Mm -hmm. And that singular focus to greatness is something that is not often seen. Mm-hmm. Now, there were definitely places where off the court, as a person, yeah, Jordan crossed the line. You'll never hear people argue Jordan was the nice guy, the good mm-hmm. guy, the person you want to hang out with for a beer. But if you're talking about somebody to go to war with, he's the first pick every time. Yeah. Now, I, because I've said it, a billion times, you know, for a lot of Jordan's career, I was a Jordanator, but I will admit I've, I've loved every bit of this, this documentary. Like to me, like Jordan has, has reached Jordan is at, at that point. Like, There might be people who don't like Jordan, who didn't like Jordan, but there are no Jordan haters. Like, I feel like you can't, you can't hate Michael Jordan. You cannot like Michael Jordan, but you can't hate on him. His resume is etched in stone. There's no change, you know, like he is who he is. Like, you know, to me, it's like you put, you know, you put LeBron aside, you put Kobe aside. There is no argument against Jordan being the greatest of all time. No, I would agree with you completely. There is no, you know, like, like to me, like. There, there is no argument against it. You want to argue the greatness of other players? You want to argue the greatness of a LeBron or a Kobe? Okay. Great but player. If you, Very great player. You know, and, and, and to me, if you... If you want to... If you want to have the argument, 
of a LeBron being the greatest of all time, a Kobe being the greatest of all time. You can have that argument. Don't have it with me, but you can have that argument. You want to go argue with somebody over LeBron or Kobe being, you know, the greatest of all time? Go, you know, I'm not going to stop you. I'm just saying don't have it with me. I don't want to have that conversation. I'm not interested in that conversation. But to me, there is no argument against Michael Jordan being the greatest of all time. That's, you know, that just is what it is. You know. Uh, you know you'll get no argument from me on this. But I, I will say, and, and I will say, I, I, you know, and even, you know, these, this is a conversation you and I have had. You know, I, when I've talked about hating LeBron, when I've talked about hating Kobe, you know, it was always in a sporting context. Like I say, hey, you know what? To me, I used to always love the players on the rise. And once they reached that pinnacle, that's when I, t- I started looking for someone else to cheer for. When the, when the Celtics were on top, when the Celtics were on top, I wanted to see the Pistons knock them off. Once the Pistons knocked them off, I wanted to see the Bulls knock off the Pistons. Once the Bulls were on top, I wanted to see the Knicks knock off the, uh, I wanted to see the Knicks knock off the Bulls. Now, I never really wanted to see the Pacers knock off the Knicks, but still, that's, you know, that's, that's beside the point. But, but nonetheless, it was like, as much as I rooted against Jordan, you can't hate him. It's like you, you, like Jordan doesn't suck. No, you could if you said that. Yeah, no one actually takes your opinion. Yeah, sports fan too. Yeah, you know it's not like, hey, yeah, that Jordan, he's an awful player. <laughs> I can't. Like I, I couldn't even say that. I, I couldn't even say that sentence mockingly, without laughing. But, but nonetheless, like I'm, I'm, I've, I have enjoyed this. I've enjoyed watching it with, you know, I've enjoyed watching it with my son. Enjoy watching it with my wife because I like, I like, you know, like the personal backstories. Like, okay, I remember this series, and, and it's funny. It's like there, th- you know, in the dialogue and conversations that people have, like in between shows. You know, uh, shout out, shout out to our man, Jay Scott Smith, because after episode, uh, what was it? Um, after episode six, I think he was talking about, he was talking about the story about Jordan taking food from Horace Grant. Uh And to me, what it's like. Part of, to me, part of the story underneath the story was not only not only was Jordan a winner, and he he had a low tolerance for people he felt wasn't as committed to winning as he was. I felt like he also was somebody who did not have a lot of respect for people he thought was weak. Oh, absolutely, and I, and that's more so I think to your point though. 
I think that's more so in reference to being mentally weak than mm -hmm. physically weak. Yeah, yes, the, yes. Because if you yes. look at the story of what happened to Steve with he, he and Steve Kerr, yes, Steve Kerr did not back down. Steve Kerr got a black, black ended up with a black eye, but he stood up for himself, and he recalls that as being one of the best things that ever happened to his relationship with Michael, because Michael knew he wasn't going to back down which let MJ know that Steve Kerr was a guy he could go to war with and he wasn't going to fold or back down under mm -hmm. pressure. And to me, it's like, I felt like not only did Mike have, he didn't have respect for people who was weak, people he thought was mentally weak. Like, I, I mean, let's, I, I felt like from watching it, and this is before show. This is before episode seven or eight ran. Okay, this is this is me thinking and talking out loud before episode seven and eight. So I'm sitting here like, okay, you sit here and you see how Michael Jordan had such a low tolerance for people he thought were mentally weak, and it's like you see the lack of respect that he showed for Horace Grant. Then I'm sitting here and I'm watching. I, you know that you you know that probably the one thing he hates more than mentally weak people, he honestly just hates to lose. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm sitting here and I'm watching this and I'm like, I bet you, even to this day, even even despite the fact that Michael Jordan went on to win three more championships, I bet it eats at Michael's soul that his last playoff series loss was to the Orlando Magic and they carried Horace Grant off the court in his building. I bet, you know, I, I bet you the image of that is etched in Jordan's soul. Oh, I'm sure he remembers it clearly. No doubt he remembers that very clearly. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I think the sweep the next year gave him at least some level of vindication. Yeah, I, that, I think so, too. You yeah. know, you seem like, okay, yeah, y'all won when I was out of shape, had been, hadn't been playing in a while. Now I'm back and look what happened. Yeah, I, 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 but it's like Jordan strikes me as a person I would say who would absolutely say that. But he's not somebody who's going to want to spend a whole lot of time talking about that series either. Oh, like, no, like yeah, yeah, we definitely remembers. Yeah, he remembers the loss. He probably remembers the pain of the loss. Yeah. So it was like, so to me, when they talked about it in episode eight, I'm sitting there like, see, that's what I'm talking about. This dude thought Horace was a punk, and they carried him off the floor in his gym. I bet you that aided him. But no, but nonetheless, I mean that's 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 who Jordan is, and I I have enjoyed this, but I feel like there's been a couple of takeaways from the from the movie that that I've got, I, I, that I I see like observations, and I feel like probably. One of the bigger, one of the bigger observations. I'm not gonna say the biggest because there's been so much to the show, and it's still, you know, it's it's still a great documentary. But I feel like I put it out, and I put this out here on Twitter. 
I watch this show and I feel like Jordan's sycophants are a thousand times worse than LeBron's sycophants. They're way more annoying. I think they're I think they're way more annoying. And I think the biggest reason why Jordan sycophants are way are worse than LeBron's sycophants is because Jordan sycophants don't believe they exist. I don't think Jordan I don't think they I don't believe that Jordan sycophants believe they're sycophants. And I don't and to me I feel like the difference is if you're a LeBron if you're if if you're over the top for LeBron there has to be a little bit of self-awareness of who you are because of the angle you're trying to push. It's because, like we just talked about, there is no argument against Michael Jordan being the greatest of all time. So, I mean, that's just, that's just fact. You will never are you will never make an argument, a valid argument, against but, but, Michael Jordan being being the greatest of all time. So, if you know here's that, I have to jump in real quick, mm-hmm. just real quick. Knowing what you just said, but you you have to also look at LeBron sycophants, if you will, and realize that when they talk about LeBron being the greatest, mm-hmm. they truly believe it, and they believe that to the extent where the same way you say there is no argument against Mike being the greatest, they feel the same way about LeBron. I well, I, I and I feel like that's that's what in in that given that that's what makes the difference between a LeBron sycophant and a Jordan sycophant because you have to acknowledge that you know what this this is going to sound a little crazy because you're making you're trying to make the argument that hey I know a player I'm watching a player who is better than the hands down undisputed greatest of all time And I hear you, but in my experience, they don't think it's crazy. They just think he's better, which is what causes the Jordan Club to dig in even further. Well, I will, I will say this. In my, in my opinion, in my opinion, if you are, you know, for to, there is one end all be all ultimate valid argument that puts Jordan over LeBron. You want to have the, well, like, I, like I've said, you want to have the argument that LeBron is the greatest of all time? That's fine. You can have the argument. Don't have it with me. I'm not interested in the argument. I like LeBron. I, you know, I respect Jordan. They're all great. I'm blessed enough to know. I'm blessed enough that I've seen LeBron and I've seen Jordan. Mm-hmm. I'm blessed enough to say I booed I booed Michael Jordan when he came to the spectrum the same way I booed Kobe Bryant when he came to Wells Fargo. Well, at that point it was uh, Wachovia, but you know, first union, first union, whatever, <laughs> whatever. But the but the you know I, I'm I am you know I am blessed that I was born at a time 
where I have seen Dr. J, I've seen Michael Jordan, I've seen LeBron James, I've seen Kobe Bryant. So I'm not interested. You know, I, I believe that Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. That's fine. Somebody, you know, I, I uh, we talked about it with Brian Waters on, on, on Twitter. And I'm like, I believe that Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. But I also acknowledge that I'm going to be 44 years old in less than a month. When my father was 44 years old, Jordan had just won his second ring. In fact, when my father turned 44 years old, Jordan was about to win, was about to win his second ring. He was undoubtedly the greatest player in the game today, but there was still an argu- there, there was still an argument as to whether or not he was the greatest of all time. True. There was still a debate. There was still at that at that 1992. Yes, there was. Un, he was hands down the best player in basketball. 1992, but in 1992, there might have been somebody who tells you greatest of all time. He might he might not even be better than Isaiah. Uh, well, he might no, not at, be. At 90, 92, you were passed by Isaiah, but you still heard the magic and Bird. Yeah. And you definitely heard plenty of magic still in 1992. Mm-hmm. 1990. Yeah. 19, in fact, 1992, magic was still. Pl- I believe. When did magic retire? Was that 92 or 91? He retired in 91. Okay, yeah. 92, the 91-92 season, he sat out, but he played the All-Star game yep. that year and yep. then it played in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And then there was a brief return yep. a year later. I remember. I believe it was a year later. There was a brief return to, put to the court to play. Like, I guess, to me, but in, in the end, the only argument that you need, in my opinion, the only argument that you need to put Jordan over LeBron is at the grandest stage, you have one player with six wins and one player with six losses. And I'm not just, and I'm not saying, and and no, it's not just about winning the championship. But what I'm saying is you take two players who were dominant in their sport. At one point, two players who at, at, who in their careers were described as the most dominant player in the sport. At the grandest stage, one of those players has six wins. One of those players has six losses. To me, that's all you need. That's grand opening, grand closing for your GOAT conversation. And, and see, for me, as much as I appreciate that stat, I'll never be one to go to wins and losses mm. in the finals as the deciding factor because the team around you has so much to do with what happened. Mm. For example, LeBron. His first trip to the finals, but when he was in Cleveland, and then some of those conference finals lost or two in Cleveland. LeBron was clearly the best player on the court, but his team was clearly inferior. So, from that standpoint, I won't simply use mm-hmm. the wins and losses. 
real hardcore basketball people, this is the point of the conversation where I like to go to X's and O's mm-hmm. and things like that to really detail things like Jordan's footwork or his ability to play off the ball and space the floor for other people, making it e- a little bit easier for him to play with another star player. Things like that where Jordan's style of play actually makes it easier to build a championship team around him because he can play off the ball and other star players are able to still do what they're confident and comfortable doing. Whereas LeBron, off the ball, is nowhere near the threat he is with the ball in his hands. Things like that are where I'll go and say Michael Jordan is the GOAT. But for the casual basketball fan, that's going a little bit too far because they haven't even studied that type of stuff. No, no, they haven't. And in the end, what is for the casual basketball fan? And and, and honestly, like what you what you are saying helps to make your argument. And that's all subjective, and that's all you know. People people can make their case. People can make their argument. For me, in the end, the grandest stage, six win, a guy with six wins versus a guy with six losses. To me, every you know, everything else, every, you know, like like you you talk about what makes Jordan the goat. And, and you look past the surface, and I respect that about you. And, and it's like when you get in, when you get past that surface, and you want to get into that. That's an argument that you make. That's what you. That's what you fall back on. The X's and O's in the game. Mm-hmm. And I and like for me, this conversation isn't to dispute that. Oh, not but, at all. But what I but there, you know, you see other criticisms of LeBron. And to me, what I when I look at a lot of those criticisms that LeBron gets into what people's what people use to say LeBron is not in the same category as Jordan. I feel like what this documentary has shown is how hypocritical a lot of those arguments are. You want to talk about X's and O's. You want to talk about the makeup of their game and what makes Jordan better than LeBron. I hear you. Me personally, I'm here for that. But when you start getting into other things, the can LeBron play in different in different eras, the difference of the game, like to me, I feel like there have been more things. I've, I, I've in watching this documentary, I've seen, I've watched Jordan do more things that people absolutely kill LeBron for, and people just laugh off like it's cool. How many times have we heard players today are too buddy buddy? Players today are too you know are too friendly. LeBron's too friendly with other people, with other players mm-hmm. from other teams. You've heard that criticism of him before. Absolutely. What do you think would happen to LeBron if he went and played golf with somebody from the other team the day of a game? <laughs> Episode. Episode one, or the first—I think it was episode one. It was either episode one or two. Jordan plays golf with Danny Ainge, and here's the, and here's the thing about it: not only does Jordan play golf with Danny Ainge the day of the game, 
The Bulls go out and lose that game. If LeBron James, it, 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 let, let, I mean, let's keep it real. If LeBron James hung out with Steph Curry the morning before a game, and then the Cavs or the Cavs or the Lakers then went out and lost, people, people would be murdering LeBron right now. They, they absolutely would. But there is a specific reason why Michael Jordan gets a pass for that. It's be- and that reason is quite simple. Look at everything else you've learned about Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. He was a stone-cold killer, almost, when it came to his desire to win. Mm-hmm. Friend or not, buddy or not. So you never question Jordan's intensity. Like... So the question was, was Jordan being too friendly with age was never an issue because, you know, everyone knew if, it, if ripping Ainge's heart out would have gotten Jordan the championship that year, he would have done it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that is the part about Jordan, that that singular focus on winning that we've discussed is part of what him made, part of what made him immune to that line of criticism. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I hear what you're saying. That makes sense. I'm not quite sure I necessarily believe that, but I I I, I hear I hear what you're saying. To me, I've, I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, look, because I I don't buy. I I'm not somebody who bought into the whole players are too buddy buddy now and they weren't back then. Because to me, because to me, I felt like yes, like players were competitive. I'm not going to deny that there was a competitive nature, but I feel like there wasn't Twitter, there wasn't Instagram to show Mike and Charles or Mike and Pat going out to dinner after a game. Okay. Now, now that part of it happens, but for those guys, that happens through a mutual respect from years of battle. Hmm. Like Barkley and Charles, Barkley and Mike became friends after battling for years and then hanging out together on the dream team. It wasn't a situation where we've been playing the basketball together since we're 12 years old with, with each other's cell phones from AAU tournaments, and we are genuinely friends. Michael and Charles were developed a friendship because they respected each other as competitors, which is a different relationship than we grew up as buddies. That's a different relationship. If, if I respect your heart on the court and that buzz into a friendship, it's a different relationship than somebody I grew up with. Somebody the, guy who I res- mm-hmm. the guy whose competitive spirit I respect on the court and that caused a friendship, when we go on the court, we expect each other to go at each other, go at us as hard as we can because that's the part of each other we respect. I understand. It's, not, it's I, not the shared experience and friendships that we traveled and hung out. And you know my sister and I know your mom type of friendship. But I, I'm, what I'm saying, I don't think that that's... Ne- I think that's not necessarily the end-all, be-all description of these these players' friendships now. I think there was still... It's, there was, not, it's not the end-all, but abs- it, it absolutely is a far more common thing now than it was back oh. then because of things like AAU and yeah, cell phone. Far more far more common, but I don't think that it I don't think that it negates 
the competitive nature as much as people think it did. Oh, I, yeah. I absolutely do think it does. Okay, I, I just I disagree, but I, I but you know I respect your you know, I respect your opinion. Right. But none, but nonetheless, okay. I just, like your your best friend. You don't want to see him crying on the sideline because you just cut his heart out the same way you would a stranger you don't care about. Well, I will I will say this because I you know I I personally did not play AAU, but but it's I've had similar conversations being being a parent and let me explain to you how being a parent of an athlete whereas I've said you know you, you sit there and you watch your son have a good game play baseball go three for four in a game mm-hmm. has a big hit drives in three RBIs off a pitcher you've known since he was a little boy. I would never tell my son, you know, take it easy on him. Hey, that's our friend. You go out and you play, you go out and play your game. Now, you know, it's like. I understand that. But would you tell your son pregame, knowing that's his friend, go out there and rip his heart out? Would I rip his heart out? No. And but, that's the edge that's different. It's not that you're not willing to compete. It's that I'm willing to rip his heart out edge. That's different. I th- Well, I think then, then, then I think that speaks to the difference of philosophy and a difference of opinion. Because, the di- and if that difference of opinion translates into a lack of edge, because if you're saying, hey, you know what? You go out there, you play your best. Mm-hmm. If his heart gets ripped out, his heart gets ripped out. Okay. A perfect example I can think of okay. is the, Bull, the Bulls versus Pistons rivalry. Mm-hmm. Those, there was genuine disdain between those two teams. Mm-hmm. And that genuine level of dislike, disdain, ratcheted up the level of intensity on the court for Mm -hmm. both teams. Whereas, if you're looking at a situation where Michael and Isaiah had been friends, like, they might still be giving it their all to compete, giving it all their wit to win, but you wouldn't see the Pistons look at Michael and say, if you are you willing to get injured to get these two points? You see what I mean? Like that level uh, of intensity uh, is different. Uh, uh, I'm not I don't, willing to injure my friend to stop him from getting two points. I might foul him. No, I no. I, I honestly, I think you you go into it like Drago. If he dies, he dies. You know, I if you got to put him on his behind, you got to put him on his behind. If you go to if you go to if you go to the hoop, I'm going to put you on your behind. You break okay. a bone, that just happens, you know. But, but John, see, that's the difference. You're, you're, it's not 
okay, it's one thing to say, if it happens, oh well. The Pistons and Bulls was a genuine disdain where mm-hmm. it was like, you come to the lane, I will hurt you. It's not a, if you get hurt, you get hurt. It's, I will hurt you to stop you from coming in here. It's deliberate, it's intentional, and it's driven by, I don't care how, not, I want to see you hurt. I want to see you lose just as much as it is I want to win. So do you think that? So do you think that makes the? Do you think that made the Knicks weaker than the uh, Pistons? The Knicks? Yes. No, the Knicks had a genuine disdain there with the Bulls as I think, well. But I, was, I, but, I, but I think well, that was not an era where guys were buddy buddy. You still don't hear anybody on those Bulls and Knicks teams talking about they like each other, they hang out, and they're friends. Never doesn't happen. When's the last time you saw a story about Jordan and Ewing hanging out and being buddy buddy, or Pippen in any of those Knicks? You hear those guys talk about each other now. You can still hear the animus in their voices. They didn't like. I think the. I think. No, you hear on. personal animus. They don't like each other. I don't know about that. But uh, have you been watching the yes. last dance? Yes, I've been watching. I've been watching okay. it just like now, you. So I mean, I would ask you the same question. Let me finish. Let me finish. Now, watching the last dance. When you hear, let's go back to Isaiah, when you hear Isaiah and Jordan talk about each other, is it not obvious to you that these guys still genuinely do not like each other? The way Isaiah and Jordan talk about each other is different from the way Isaiah, excuse me, the way Patrick and Jordan talk about each other. Yes, I'm saying the case that you are making for Isaiah Thomas is clear. I'm saying, yes, you... I disagree that if you watch that, if you're watching that just like me, then you're noticing that the way that Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing and Michael Jordan and Charles Oakley and Michael Jordan and John Starks talk about each other is not the way that Michael Jordan talks about Bill Lambeer or Michael Jordan talks about uh, Isaiah Thomas. It's and the only, but the, the only difference for that with for Mike with that is the Knicks never beat him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he looks at them like, yeah, well, like you all were that tough rival, but I don't. Well, yeah, y'all weren't good enough. It's a different factor. It's a different staff factor, but I feel the, the dynamic and the tone is different. I think I think the I think the tone is different because the Knicks were simply not I, so when Jordan felt like he had to respect as much because they didn't beat him. I I I disagree. I disagree. I feel like if when you're talking, I feel if you're ta- if you're making a case for hatred that has transcended the years. Yes, I hear that in Jordan talking to Isaiah. I hear that when Jordan talks about when when you hear Jordan and Isaiah talk about each other. When you hear Jordan and Bill Lambeer talk about each other, I hear that. I hear the disdain. Mm-hmm. I do not hear that when I hear. Jo- I'm talking about the way Jordan talks about the Knicks and the way the Knicks talk about Jordan. If you're saying the difference is because the Knicks never beat Jordan, oh, okay. I I don't think that necessarily makes as big of a difference. I think there's more. I think there was more of a respect there. They were more. It was more. Hey, you know, it was physical, but not necessarily from a position of personal hate it was hey this is what we got to do to win and, and i pro- and i promise you if the knicks had been playing that physical style against the bulls and winning mike would hate them too okay 
Now that that the that, only is, that 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 is fa- that is fair enough because we see how much Mike hits to lose. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's why I say the fact that the Knicks weren't able to beat Mike is the only thing that keeps Mike from having that same level of hate. Okay. Okay. If that, I mean, if that if that is the difference, then because then then so be it. But I still feel like there's a there's a difference, like. There is a difference in the in the dynamic, and maybe and you, oh, there, right. there is a difference. There's a difference but, because you, because you, Mike, what you're seeing in this like what, what you're see, what you're seeing in this in what you are seeing right. as as well as you know the the good of this documentary has been you know what Michael Jordan the, the lengths that he would go to win to be a winner. To not only be a winner, but to dominate. So when the in, in and and in that, now, let me throw this in real quick because we're getting out of time, and I'm gonna yeah. let you wrap us up in a second. So uh-huh. I just want to throw this out there because in that, with what you're saying, the Pistons for Mike were a true roadblock to him that were holding it back his greatness. They physically and mentally beat him up and abused him and withheld him from his goal. Mm-hmm. The Knicks weren't that same roadblock. Okay. They played the same style, but because it was, they were never looked at as the team Mike had to overcome, but rather they were the team that was trying to overcome Mike, it's a different threat and it's a different... Different dynamic. Different dynamic. Different dynamic. But the genuine dis- I, I honestly believe that the dislike being genuine was the same. Yeah, maybe. In the end, I feel like when you look at it, a lot of these players were Nike players. The ones that weren't Nike players were David Falk players. So there was a relationship. There was a friendship. Maybe that friendship wasn't always on Front Street like it is now. But for people I mean, who... I don't know- but hold, hold, hold on, let me let, let, let me. When you use the word friendship, I'm asking, what what do you mean when you really say friendship? We have each other's phone numbers, and we'll sit at dinner, or like we're really friends. What do you mean? What? Like that, and that's why I wanted to be clear why I st- why I stopped to ask the question because you say there was a friendship. Michael Jordan didn't even have his teammates' phone numbers. How many people do you really think he was friends with? There wasn't a friendship there with those guys. It was on mutual respect. You fight hard, we fight hard. I see you out. We can get along. Guys weren't friends. You didn't see Jordan on the banana boat with Barkley, Drexler, and Isaiah. Maybe not Isaiah, but once again, you didn't see that because you didn't see that because there wasn't Facebook, because there wasn't Twitter or Instagram. That's part of the reason why you didn't see it. But now, because we're sitting here, here's the difference now. Here's also part of the difference. Part of the difference is now we are grown men. We're all in our 40s and our 50s, and we're seeing this, and we can identify this. And we're sitting here, we're thinking back, and we're trying to compare this to a time when we were 12, 13, 14. Okay. And the way we, we the way we remember it is different. So you know what you want to say. So if you want to hold hold hold, 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 hold uh, let me let me finish let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. I'll you know and I'll and I'll let, I'll let you rock for a second. All I'm saying is is for people who want to use this as a knock 
against any other player, whether it be LeBron, whether it be Kobe, whether it be KD, whether it be whoever. I feel like what you're seeing is, is you're, I think you are seeing things are as different as things were in the 80s and 90s. Things aren't as different as people make it out to be. And I think you're seeing that with kind of blinders on because it there is a clear difference between Michael Jordan saying, I'm in your tail. While I'm in your tail, let's go golf and try to take some money from each other versus let's spend two weeks together on our off-season hanging out with our families, developing a relationship. That, me saying, let's go compete, like, well, I'll take your money, that's not a friendship. That's just more competition. Mm. What you're seeing from guys today are genuine relationships. Genuine friendships. That did not exist on a large part in the old environment. Part of it was technology and access. But... Unless guys went to college if, together, if that, if the, if they that, genu- genu- genuinely weren't friends more often than not back hear, then. Hearing what, hearing what you're saying, and I don't want you to feel like the point that you are making has been lost on me, but I feel like you have, I, I feel like you have every bit the blinders that you're that you think I have on. I think that nonetheless, well, I think that, I, I think that there. Okay, well, well, let me me say this. I don't want you to think that I'm saying back then everybody hated everybody the way Mike hated Isaiah. That's not what I'm saying either. Mm -hmm. But but what I'm saying is more so it was was more casual interactions where it was a mutual respect. When I see you, I see you, and we can get along. Whereas guys today are actually developing friendships and trying to bond while they are still competitors. I think, I I hear what you're saying, and all I'm saying... And that is not something you saw a lot of back then. And I am saying, I believe that the attention people want to pay, the attention people want to pay to context in trying to make the argument for a difference is what flaws the argument. In the end, on the day of a game, you have your star player playing golf with another player. Now, I understand. I'm not saying you don't need to make the you don't need to make the case for what, you know, what it was. What it was in actuality. I hear but, but what you're saying. To, this is not this is not but, 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 No, John, you don't no, you, no, no, John, no, no. John, John, John. You're saying you don't have to make the case, but you're giving facts without context is doing a disservice to the conversation. No, it's not. Let me explain were, how. John, John. These guys were not hanging out like, let's be friends, let's be buddy-buddy. It was still competition. And and Dane said it himself. He's talking trash, getting under Jordan's skin, and he took it too far. But this what, was not a friendly thing. I, and, and this is what I'm saying. This is And this is what I feel like you're missing. Because I feel like what you're trying to do, you're trying to say like what you're doing is a disturb a disservice by eliminating context. But what I'm saying is you're paying too much attention to context to one side than the other. How how so? How are they? Because what I'm what, because what I'm, because what I am saying is it's like oh, in the end, you want to say this is not hanging out. This was two people still being competitive. Fine, okay. 
But when they were hanging out, what I'm saying is they weren't building a friendship. As opposed to what guys do today, they build so, friendships. So, guys, if I, so if I, so if Isaiah Thomas had, so if you think if Isaiah Thomas had asked Jordan to go out and play golf, and I'll take some money from you, he'd do it. No. Okay. Well, but look, that, this that, is, but, but, but like, but like we just said, Isaiah and Mike was a genuine hate. Like that's and I'm not saying it was a, it was like I hate everybody I play against. But Mike wasn't out trying to make friends either. I hear what you're saying. Well, look, there's two more episodes. There's, there's two more episodes. And, 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 that's, all, and that's all I'm saying. Is I hear words are different because it's one thing to have a mutual respect where we can associate, talk, do things, interact. Like there are people you respect and interact with all the day, and you can have cordial conversations. That you would never call your friend. I I hear what you're saying, and in the end, as we wrap this up, I just don't feel. I feel like the atten- the attention being paid to context that makes it different for Jordan is not the attention people care to pay when you're t- when you're talking about disparaging Le- LeBron. In the end, Jordan's still the goat. Jordan's still the guy. He's still the greatest of all time, and all the Jordan sycophants there. They're definitely in their fields. This is their moment right now. This is their season to reap what they have sown. They're doing. It, they're doing it all. They're doing. You know, they're they're living in the moment. And and, and I'm not going. And I'm really not trying to take that moment away from them. I'm not trying to steal moments from Jordan fans. Enjoy your moment. Relive the greatest of all time. You can do that. But hey, you know, you see, to me. You see the moving goalposts when it comes to how they criticize other players. That that's how I see. But there's still more. There's still more to watch, and we'll still uh, we'll we'll still. Uh, uh, you, you see know. a moving goalpost. I feel. I, I see a lot of. I I see a lot of what I see is a lot of people who are suffering of suffering by recency bias and are prisoners of the moment mm-hmm. where they think everything that happens now is better just because it's different or no but little stuff but the fact that life was different then lends to relationships being different then i understand everything i feel simple. like everything you were saying could be applied could be made could be made the other way around you want to say, hey, you know, there are people who feel like, you know what, the way it was done in my era will always be better than the way it was done any time after me. I think there are people. <laughs> that's not what you. That's not what you heard me say at all. No, I'm not saying. I didn't say that. See, here's the problem. You think you're taking this like I'm talking about you. My original statement was, hey, Jordan sycophants are worse than LeBron sycophants, and here's why. You want to make an argument to. You want to make an argument to say, hey, you know what. You you broke down the argument into what you feel makes di- the difference between Michael Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan playing golf with Danny Ainge, with LeBron James going on vacation with Chris Paul. You made that case. I promise you, ninety percent of the people downing LeBron after the last dance didn't make that argument that you just made. Okay, but the fact that people did not make the argument 
does not negate the argument. If the argument is accurate, it's still accurate. That, but, once again, are, but once again, but once again, but no, 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 you, no, no this cut, time you got to hold on. No, no, no I'm not cutting you off. This is let me finish. Come on, man. Then you got to let me let me finish this. Because what I'm saying is that because it was different, people are looking at it and saying, okay, well, LeBron and Chris Paul, it's really much more human than that. On a human level, you are less likely to want to hurt your friend than you are someone who's a stranger. Not Forget your enemy, someone who's a stranger. If it comes down to my success has to come at their expense and them being hurt, who would you be more willing to hurt, a stranger or your friend? And you cannot negate the validity of that argument. I understand that. But what, in the end, in the end, because we're almost at an hour and a half, in the end, Jordan sycophants worse than LeBron sycophants. Why? Because Jordan sycophants ain't ain't looking to go beyond the surface. They're not looking to to go in depth. So the fact that you made this argument is I disagree. I, I don't that's think fine. You can you're, you're free to you're free to disagree. You're free to disagree. But what? But in the end, then that all that then all your argument proves is you're not a sycophant. But that doesn't make no, 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 let now let me finish. You can't you can't continue to say, hey John, stop cutting me off. John, stop cutting me off. John, stop cutting me off. But let me but, cut you but, off. Now, see, John, this is where I'm at a disadvantage with us being on the phone instead of in the same you room. You do the, the same, same thing room. If we are in the same room. Different. But like, here's the because it's I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I do. I truly do. The thing is, though, that if you're going to say that Jordan fans aren't willing to go to the next level, while you yourself said there's no argument that makes that you can make that Jordan isn't the greatest, that leads me in a position where I have to ask you, isn't it then the LeBron fan who's not willing to look at the next level and be rational? No. You yourself are saying there's because, no argument whether Jordan's not the greatest. Because this the is the person okay, who's saying somebody else is greater I, is the one who's not willing to look into detail, isn't it? May I answer the question? Yeah. Are you going to let me answer the question? Please do. Okay. Here's the problem with what you said. We're not talking about fans. We're talking about sycophants. There is a difference. Yes, LeBron fans can be rational, just like Jordan fans can be rational. Mm-hmm. You might agree, you might disagree. You're going to make your points. You're going to make you're you're going to make your points. Someone's going to make their counterpoints. We're not talking about fans versus fans because fans versus fans aren't having these discussions. To me, now if you want to talk about fan, if you want to have a fan conversation, okay, how jo- how LeBron goes about. How LeBron goes about living his life isn't what makes LeBron not the player that Jordan was. I feel like LeBron just has a different mentality of how he chooses to attack the game. 
if you want to say the way LeBron mentally attacks the game being different from Jordan and that makes him a less, you know, that makes him the lesser player. Oh, okay. I hear it. I understand. I'm not here to, you know, that's not the, that's not the discussion I want to have right now, but I hear it. If you want to go, if you want to have, if there is a time and a place, if you want to truly have the LeBron versus Jordan conversation to me, this documentary is not the reason to have it. It's not, it can't be the catalyst. You want to break down LeBron versus Jordan? That's cool. That's a conversation to have. Me personally, I'm not interested. I like them both. I've cheered for them both. I've cheered against them both. You see a crit- people want to make a criticism of LeBron, say, hey, he's too buddy-buddy. Okay, I just watched him. I just watched Jordan play golf with a guy from the other team. You have an explanation for that? That's fine. That's cool. Okay, I understand. In the end, Jordan lost that series, got swept. Jordan had 63 points, but they got swept. They didn't even talk about game three in in that documentary. They talked about the 49 points he had in game one, the 63 points he had in game two. Know what they didn't talk about? The 19 points that he had in game three where they lost in Chicago. But in the end, it's like, look, you know what? I'm not, I'm not here to argue that Jordan's not the GOAT. I'm not, I just know that there are people who, who feel like LeBron is the GOAT. And you know what? I'm, I'm 44 years old. I'm, I, I don't, I don't want to have that conversation. You know, I'm good. No, thank okay. you. Now, we got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. But I, I have to say this. that What you just said was a long-winded way of honestly saying nothing. <laughs> and I don't mean that to be offensive, but no. you, you went around the bush to say, I just don't want to have the conversation. This conversation that's it's popping up right now because most LeBron fans, mm-hmm. most people who honestly think LeBron is the greatest, this is the most Michael Jordan that basketball they've ever seen in their life. Okay. They are, this is their, most of them, have, they've seen a couple clips here and there, a shot or two, a dunk. This is the most of Michael Jordan playing basketball, the most knowledge of him playing basketball they've ever gotten in their lives. So all these people who were like LeBron the greatest or Kobe the greatest, they're now being forced to realize this guy, this Michael Jordan guy, all the old heads we're talking about, he was just different. Mm-hmm. So that's where... That conversation of LeBron right now is unavoidable. You had Michael Jordan was last Michael Jordan twenty two years ago. So let's say you're eight to ten years old when you're really able to first start paying attention to true basketball skill. Probably a teenager before you're really old enough to really know what's going on out there. Anybody who was old enough to appreciate LeBron's career, well, I shouldn't say anyone who was old enough, but many people who 
think LeBron's the greatest were never old enough to see Mike anywhere near his best. So what you end up with is this is almost a shock factor to a lot of people to see how focused, how intense, how dominant Mike really was. You hear the 6-0 and in the finals, the, all the battles in between where he ended 60-win teams in five, six games, and all the Hall of Famers who never had a shot because of Mike, it's different. It's just different. And that in itself is going to fuel these conversations. I welcome them. I'm, I'm sure you do. It's an opportunity to educate people uh, on basketball. Educate. Not just Michael Jordan, but on basketball. Educate, talk. I mean, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, and I hear what you're saying. I, 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 I think you're missing, you're missing the point. But we're, we're, we're all, it's all, like you said, it's almost time to get on out of here. It's, it's all good, and there's two more episodes to, to watch. So we'll definitely talk about that, and we will talk about more sports. And you can join in this conversation. Whenever you want, feel free. Hit us up on Twitter, O underscore D underscore discourse. Once again, O underscore D underscore discourse on Twitter. Or you can hit us up at BITW Sports. My name is Brown. That's Mike Jones on the other end of the phone. That's still my man. It's like that. It's, 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 it's truly, it's like that old Jimmy Cozier song. Although he nags me. And complains a lot. I'm not going to let him go because he's all I got. That's still my man, 50 grand. Right now, this would, if we were in the same room, I wouldn't want to look at him, but I would still get him a beer. I'd walk right past, I'd walk past him without looking at him, but I'd get him a beer because he's my man. And I love you like a brother, man. You did wrong, but I love you like a brother. And you, and as much as you say you're a fan, you're starting to sound like a sicker fan. But it's all good, though. We'll, we'll be back next week on Offense, Defense, <laughs> and Discourse. Peace, y'all. Have a good weekend. Hey, you feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com slash B-I-T-W Sports. Or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio.